right. Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast and the webinar. Uh, Rev. Blair Odney from the United Church and the Pacific Region United Church, and I uh, really wanted to thank you, uh, uh, Rev. Blair, to, to join us and uh, and really share with us uh, kind of your background and 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 the mission, your personal vision and mission, and uh, and how you got involved and in, and in are now. Uh, uh, a religious leader and leading a very strong congregation here in British Columbia. Wow, that's a big question. And like, where do you start? Um, I, I, I'll tell you this, that I, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was, I'm going to say seven years old, we used to go to church as a family regularly, we, faithfully, and we dressed up like little adults because we used to do that then. You know, I had a little, a little blazer and a little vest. And, and one morning, my parents, for reasons I still don't know, chose to sleep in on a Sunday morning. And, and I was confused by that. And I'm, remember, I'm seven. And so I'm confused by that. And I thought, well, maybe if we can't go to church, church can come home. So I remember that my mother had a pair of satin blue Mandarin pajamas with white collars and white um, cuffs. And I thought, perfect. So I put the pajamas on backwards. So I had a little white collar and a dark front. And I looked just like the preacher that we saw. And I went into their bedroom, knocked and and I, and I read from the only story that I knew from the Bible, because I'd read it at, the, at our school assembly. It was the Christmas story from Luke's, the Gospel of Luke in the Christian scriptures. And, and uh, I read my parents this story dressed as this preacher in these Mandarin pajamas on backwards. And I've often reflected that that's... That, that, um, um, Leadership in the church kind of started there. Uh, but that's 100 years ago. Okay, I'm not that old. But, you know, that was a while ago. And, um, and my route to leadership in the church has had a circuitous uh, path. And, um, uh, it, and it's taken me, and I've, I've had other careers, and it's taken me in different places. But I've always served the church as a lay person. I've served every lay role that you can have in a congregation and uh, including a music director. I've been, I'm a musician and, and I've been the minister of music in a couple of, in a couple of congregations. But um, I was called to ministry uh, in, I'm gonna say about 1998, it's a second career for me, while I was on the staff at a retreat center of the United Church. Uh, it's north of Penticton in the Okanagan. Naramata is the village. The center is Naramata Center. I'd been hired by the center to be their manager and of marketing and fund development five years earlier. And I experienced a call to ministry. I told you it was circuitous. <laughs> How I got there? Well, and then I entered a program to be trained in community. So I was a student minister in a Soyuz for three years before I was um, recognized by the region then conference. 
So I've been in, in congregational ministry in four locations in BC since 1998. I'm currently serving in my role. I mean, I have a congregation here. That's a very, it's a fascinating ministry that's happening here. Um, not unlike a lot of United Church congregations that are experiencing uh, a transformation. But I'm in my role, and the reason we met is I'm the president of the Pacific Mountain Regional Council of the United Church of Canada. That's the, the next level judicatory of congregations. Uh, it's the next kind of oversight body. It's where accountability for congregations, accountability for um, congregations' relationships with their ministers is, is held. My membership in the church, in the United Church of Canada, is held by the region. So I serve as the kind of the I don't know, the spiritual leader in, a, in an elected role for a period of time. And I'm serving in that role now. That's a and start. Is it leading you anywhere? <laughs> like, Well, well, it, well it, it is. And, and just to share with everybody how you and I connected was through uh, Reb Carey, Hope Correct. and Haynes from uh, Crossroad United Church. And uh, I believe the first United Church uh, with the food distribution uh, that uh, you folks do on the downtown east side. And, uh, and then also uh, Christine Boyle, the Vancouver City Councilor. And uh, that's also uh, part of the United Church. And right. so it's interesting you mentioned that you were seven years old and, uh, and you had that interesting journey. So I grew up in uh, another small town called Fort St. John, British Columbia, oh my which is uh, the Peace River region. And uh, sure. so we were probably one of the very few families from uh, India and Pakistan there. And my neighbors were, were Christian, particularly, I think they were Catholic, as far as mm -hmm. I can tell. And so uh, every Sunday, they would come pick me up and uh, I would join them. And so that's how I, I got to really, you know, uh, even as a Muslim kid, uh, uh, I, 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 I think it was two years that, that, that we went. And uh, it, was, it was just being neighborly and uh, the food was always great. And, you know, the, uh, the, the sermons and, and then the movies, the movies that they showed were kind of scary about the, the, the antichrist and uh, that kind of stuff. That was, that was kind of scary stuff. But uh, other than that, they were great neighbors, great friends. And so that's my kind of, uh, similar to, to you. Uh, I, I had a, 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 some years at, at around that age, uh, going to church. And so later, uh, moving to Vancouver, uh, we have a large mosque in uh, Richmond, uh, which uh, which is called the the Al Jamia Mosque for the BC Muslim Association. Which, interestingly enough, I'm now a vice president of of that association, which is 17 uh, mosques across uh, British Columbia, wow. and uh, and so they had this big chart there that had the Arabic name of the prophet, and they had the the uh, the English names, and then I saw Jesus, and I was like, I didn't. Like I thought Islam, like because at that time I didn't have really much background or understanding about faith and religion, and mm -hmm. uh, and so when I saw that I was like, hey, I, I've been hearing a lot about Jesus, so so I, I was happy to know there was a connection, and so in my later journey in life, when when I learned more about the, the Islamic scripture and, and the stories of the prophets, uh, I, I I appreciated the the parallels and, and the story and the lessons. From his life as well so so that's a little bit of my story and and cool. then just just going back to to kind of 
connecting with you. And I know the United Church like has always been very welcoming. As far as I can recall, whenever I've communicated with faith-based organizations, I would say the most welcoming uh, to other uh, communities and other leaders, as far as in my experience anyway, has been the United Church. And just out of curiosity, as I am, I don't understand various Christian theology. There, there's Protestants, there's Catholics, there's other uh, Baptist, evangelical. How does the United Church fit into all of this? The United Church of Canada is a, an amalgamation of five denominations over a period of 40 years. Um, in the early 1900s, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, and the Congregationalists all found themselves in Canada in different pockets in different parts of the country. And um, for economy of scale, to not have every denomination have these, um, the, the same buildings, the same, to, to, for, economy, for economies of scale, particularly on the prairies, their union talks began in the early 1900s, interrupted by the war, picked up again. Uh, and the United Church of Canada is the, the um, union of three of four denominations in 1925. In 1925, there, because union talks has already started, congregations, a few congregations, a handful on the prairies and actually in BC began to be unionist churches. So they were, the, they were called unionist churches. They joined in 1925. The, and it was an act of parliament that formed the United Church of Canada. And then in 1965, mid 60s, I think it was 65, the Evangelical United Brethren joined, which brought actually congregations from Bermuda to be part of the United Church of Canada. So that's kind of weird. But where this fits is, those denominations are part of the great Protestant Reformation of the um, 1500s, 1600s, when, um, and it began really, the story is that Martin Luther, uh, a, a Catholic priest, posted 95 protests or theses or questions on the door of the, of the cathedral, local, local church, which launched the um, the Reformation, and it really had it, 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 a Reformation from the Mother Church at the time, the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, were all grounded in the same story. In fact, the last time the entire church agreed on anything when we, was when we agreed on the doctrine of the Trinity, where God is one in three and, and understood in God, the single unit, unit, the single monotheistic God is understood in three um, uh, manifestations or three ways of life, life. So, and, and that's the last time the church agreed. Since then, we've disagreed about a bunch of things all the way. And so, and because the church is a human institution, that's why, right? Like as, as much as it's anything, it's a human institution. And when we disagree enough, we actually separate. So there's, there was a big, there's been major schisms in the mother church, the first church, the church of Peter, uh, throughout the two, 2200 years of the, of the, of the faith. And, and now with the United Church in Canada and your role in, in British Columbia, how many uh, congregations are, are united here in, in British Columbia and Southern Alberta 
uh, I believe is part of the Pacific region. And then throughout Canada, how many denominations or how many congregations would there be? Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm going to say 147 congregations in in uh, British Columbia. Um, the our our executive minister, who serves two regions, serves in two regions. I'm the president of Pacific Mountain region. There is a president of Southern Alberta, which is the Chinook Winds region. So I'm just going to talk about BC and BC and a little bit of Alberta and the Yukon. So that's the Pacific Mountain region. And there's about 140, I wanna say 147 congregations. And across the country, there's about 3,000. Wow, that's huge. 2,000 United Church of, it, the United Church of Canada is the largest Protestant denomination in the country. Got it. And so it must be like with your role uh, to, to communicate uh, with 147 uh, uh, congregations uh, in the Pacific region, that must be a quite, quite a big task uh, uh, just, just to, you know, in terms of communication, relationships, and, uh, and uh, how do you manage that? The COVID has taught us a number of things, Tark. Uh, we've not been very good at, I wanna say that this judicatory grew out of, we, we shrunk the judicatory, which is to say we used to have two levels of governance between the national church and the congregation. Now we just have one. So, so responsibilities grew and, and oversight grew. Congregations used to be connected more tightly in, in smaller groups. But now COVID has taught us that we need to be reg in conversation with everybody regularly. So we have a town hall with our people uh, every two weeks when the in the initial stages of the pandemic it was weekly just staying in touch helping people to be in touch and we would bring people uh, leaders from different aspects of, of ministry or we we've had we've had um, Bonnie Henry participate we've had Adrian Dix participate in our town halls and just to say here's where we're at and this but that's taught us about staying connected in terms of what do we want to be about as a region uh, what do we want to be about in partnership with the communities that we serve? And so we've made a commitment. One of the identity pieces, there's a couple of identity pieces that we've actually said in light of what's happened in the past year, we've committed to be an anti-racist denomination. And we are developing programs. We've, we're actually, we've actually created a staff position where, where in our justice portfolio that will handle that identity piece so we'll you'll we'll see programs begin to roll out what that looks like we've also we're also questioning uh, the the call to become an affirming ministry of the united church and affirming ministry is fully inclusive of the lgbtq2s community so because and the reason we say that is because it's completely consistent with the tradition it's completely consistent with who we believe jesus to have been so that's just this is this is the identity piece of the denomination in the region. We're working away on those things, and we're doing and, that by being in touch with our people, uh, the the key leaders of congregations, ministers who serve congregations, and their and their people who represent the congregation at the regional level. And was that uh, helpful? <laughs> yeah, and 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 also the community work for the general public, and uh, on the downtown east side. Uh, 
the First United Church. And, and also we have uh, our own uh, location. It's called the Muslim Care Center, which is actually similar to, to, to what you all are doing on the downtown east side. It's just feeding everybody and everybody uh, to help them, at least from what we're doing. So we started with uh, daily food distribution. Mm. And, and now we've uh, incorporated counseling and addiction support uh, mm. because, again, uh, human beings are, 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 we're holistic. We have so many needs. So one is our, our physical needs of food, shelter, and clothing, but uh, our emotional needs and our, you know, and, and there are, uh, addiction is a mental illness. It, mm. it's, 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 it's no amount of uh, conversations, logic, reason. And when somebody has an addiction, they, they, it, it's become a mental illness and it has to be treated as such without the stigma as many communities uh, dealing with addiction, uh, there, there's a different approach. So we we're, we have this holistic approach to, to really help people, Muslims and non-Muslims, uh, to hopefully uh, overcome mental illness and, and addiction. So please share with us a uh, uh, similar, uh, because you guys have been doing it quite, quite a long time, uh, the services that the United Church offers, uh, not only for your community, but for the general public. So, my role in the region is to serve as the spiritual leader, to bring um, a theological perspective to all of the ministries. My job is to uh, um, hold um, in prayer all of the various um, expressions of the denomination throughout the region. I don't actually know specifically what various ministries are doing downtown Eastside, campus ministries, camping. We have a, an amazing camping ministry. We, have, we, have, we work indigenous communities in the north. Like, I don't know specifically what's happening on the ground in each one of those. I do know that First, uh, First United Church in the downtown Eastside is directed by a brilliant theologian and director. Her name is Carmen Lansdowne. And I encourage you, to put her on this in this podcast to have a conversation about what they're doing because they're they ha they're just about to uh, launch a major capital campaign to completely rebuild their building from a, and they've received a beautiful gift um, that 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 uh, launched this program so they're looking to add shelter space program space to create community amongst the folks in the downtown east side. It's not something we do for people, it's something we do with people, it, you know? And that's, that, there's a difference. It's not, and, and, and we're just learning how to do this better. But the person to talk to, Carmen Lansdowne. And, and, and absolutely, and, and that'll be definitely on my list to, to go and do. And, uh, you know, with, with our, our spiritual uh, similarities, um, you know, in, in our faith, um, the, the neighbor, taking care of the neighbor, regardless of the background. And, uh, and so uh, whether uh, the prophet Jesus in, in our faith and, and in Islam, the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them both, that uh, this, this kind of uh, care for one another, regardless of their beliefs or backgrounds, uh, to help people if they need food, if they need help, they need a, a, right. a shoulder to lean on. And it, 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 it's a common uh, thing in many faiths to, to help those that, that are in need. And so in terms of, as you said, the, the United Church has many different areas of, of helping people. So one is, again, the downtown east side. This is actually mm -hmm. 
the the uh, the most per capita overdose deaths of opioids oh, in yeah. in North America. I, more people died of opioid overdoses on the downtown east side than did uh, the coronavirus. So that just shows how yeah. how pervasive that is. And I think part of uh, people kind of you know everyone has their journey. Uh, but as faith-based communities to help people from the spiritual perspective, mm. because uh, when people turn to drugs and mental health issues, uh, faith is, is, is a way to, to pull them out. It, it's certainly a, a way. Uh, um, Jesus, in Matthew's gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, um, Jesus says to his disciples, uh, uh, he's tested by a lawyer, what is the most important law? And Jesus said, what does it say in the scriptures? And he's talking about the Hebrew scriptures because that's the only scriptures there were then. And, Jesus, and the lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is as important as the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and Jesus said, on these two laws hang everything else. Everything else has to do with loving God and loving neighbor. Those are the that that's that's the heart of the that's the heart of the faith. That is the the heart of the practice because it takes practice. When you say love neighbor as yourself, it it assumes that you love yourself, or it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You'll love your neighbor to the exact degree that you love yourself. And when I think about addictions and hard times, and there's a, there's a, a lot of, a lack of self-love that leads us up that road, right? And that belongs to an entire society of which we're a part, right? We, people, I don't believe people get to the downtown east side by themselves. I, a, a former director, a former director once said to me in, as I was exploring the downtown east side, a former director of First United Church once said to me, the downtown east side is a microcosm of every system failure. It's a system failure of, it's the, a justice system failure, education system, family systems, um, 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 the so, uh, 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 healthcare system. Every system failure that you could imagine the downtown east side comprises it's a microcosm of every system failure and and that's absolutely true when when you when you see that so we when you say system we're part of that system you and i are part of that system right so uh, it's not as i said earlier this is not them and us this is us this is who we are this is the level of our capacity to be human with each other and and systems fail sometimes so and 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 you're right. And 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 when these systems fail, it, it's the neighbors, it's the, the the other folks that can step in. And right. and just just back to kind of the Muslim care center and part of uh, uh, in in our faith is that that we are literally responsible for our neighbors. Forty doors to the left, forty doors to the right, forty doors wow. to the north and the south. And I was like, wow. I haven't been able to fulfill that. Uh, 
myself personally, I, I'm aspirational. That That is something. And part of the care center was, again, who are the neighbors that need the most sense with our respective team members, the, the yeah. dozens and dozens, hundreds of people that volunteer and help out, donate, and contribute. It, it, and and in, in, in 1,400 years ago, in the time of our prophet, Muhammad, peace be upon him, the companions, when they were talking about the uh, the uh, the rights of the neighbors, uh, they, they, they were afraid that the rights of the neighbors would be so much that, that they would even have to take part in the inheritance of the, the, the estate of the people. That's how big the right of, of the neighbor is. And, and so we live in a beautiful city in a beautiful province and, and our, our social justice in, in our country and in our province and our city is, is quite amazing compared to many other places in the world. I know they're, they're, we do get our fair share of criticism, but I think you and I speaking today from different faiths, yet we, we have a brotherhood in, in faith and brotherhood for humanity of how we can uh, really uh, work together um, in, in various ways. And Correct. Um, I'll share with you a story. We were, after the, uh, the shootings in Quebec at a, at a mosque right. in, in Quebec City, where, um, uh, a right-wing extremist uh, came and, you know, shot many people, killed many people. And it was a, a traumatizing moment for the Muslim community of Canada. And uh, so we had, uh, I would say, thousands of people came uh, from every denomination, Christians, Jews, uh, other mm-hmm. faith Sikhs, Hindus. Uh, people came from every walk of life with with the candles, with cards, with flowers, with tears in their eyes to to our various mosques to show their kind of solidarity and, and that, that they're, they're sharing in the condolences and the sorrow of the community. And so we were so heartened by the visits that people came to our mosque and, 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 mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and coming into the mosque and, and praying with us. And uh, so what we did was with Islam Unraveled was uh, we thought, well, if people are willing to come and visit us, uh, we may as well come visit them at, at the churches and, and the synagogues as friends and neighbors and uh, to attend services and then to also invite uh, the folks to come and join us for our services as friends and neighbors observers and then just general Q&A. And what was interesting, um, so we went to uh, Crossroads United Church, great, graciously right. in invitation by Rev. Carey. And, uh, awesome. and uh, what we found out, what, what was interesting was uh, she, she had a, the topic of the sermon when we came, what would Jesus forward in an email? And uh, <laughs> as we know, a lot of kind of disinformation and sometimes fabricated in, in information kind of gets disseminated by uh, about certain groups and other faiths. And so we're, we're living in a unique time where hate speech and racism is accelerated much more so with social media and the internet than it ever has been. And I think uh, maybe naively 10 years ago, we all used to think maybe racism is going down, but it's actually intensifying with uh, the speed of, of the internet and social networking, where uh, right-wing extremists and extremists of all kinds, whether in, in every religion, are, are somehow connecting. And so when we, when we came to the church, we're very welcome, uh, a gracious host from, from, from everybody there. Uh, but the, the members of the congregation did have these uh, fears, these worries, these concerns about Muslims. So, you know, Sharia law, somehow Muslims have uh, some sort of conspiracy to bring Sharia law into, into Canada. And then, 
you know, things like female genital mutilation, which has nothing to do with our faith whatsoever. But certain things are presented in 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 a, in a format uh, online that looks factual, but it's complete disinformation. And as a result, it it, it uh, hardens prejudices and biases. And then, in the worst case, it, it motivates people to do violent acts. And so. When we talk about being anti-racist, and uh, you know, one thing is 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 uh, you know being an inclusive society, but but to be like, okay, well, you know what, we come from so many different countries as 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 uh, Christians, as Muslims, as and Jews from different countries, and we all coexist in in, in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. So, in terms of the United Church and anti-racism. Please describe that that kind of how that came together and, and the expression of that, because I'm sure the United Church uh, comprises of many ethnicities and many uh, races uh, from around the world as well. Well, it came from uh, the. It was a. It was. It's been percolating to be, to to actually be um, to be declarative or overt or intentional about our relationship to um, other, other ethnicities. The National Church has declared itself to be the, the, the United Church of Canada's General Council, which is a body not unlike the Pacific region, only it's the next level up, right? It's, the, it's our mother church. And they've declared that they're going to, that this will be a denomination that will be a non-racist church. And it was partially, in response to the um, to what we saw in the United States in last year, uh, with the death of George Floyd on social media, it was partially in response to that. But we've been working away at intercultural relationships for a number of years. We have relationships with the with the Korean Presbyterian Church. We've visited back and forth. We're we've we've um, as I say, we've been to Bermuda. We've been like, so we're, we're, we've been working away at relationships for a, a long time. And we recognize that we're inherently white. We're, we have European roots for the most part, but even Europeans were very nice to each other in the first years of the early 1900s, right? So, so we're trying to break down uh, the walls that divide us. We've been trying to do that in our music. We've been trying to do that in the way we understand the scriptures. We've been trying to do that in our interfaith conversations. I've had, I've hosted a number of interfaith conversations in the congregations that I've served where, where Jews and Muslims would gather together and just talk about what's the same, and what's different and, and all of that. And, and no one is more right than the other because in a, you know, God, God, made God's creation and you know God knows that God is going to find any way God can to be in relationship with what God made and if that's going to be with you Tark, through a Muslim socialization and in culturalization and uh, a religion then that's what God's going to choose to do because God has agency in what God created so why wouldn't it be of God I just right and what we do what we watch is what's the wake uh, you know, I, you could believe that the doorknob on my door is God, but what does it leave behind? Does it love God? Do, does it love neighbor? Does it create justice? Does it include and affirm that life is a gift and we are to cherish it? 
in every person that we encounter. All of that, right? So it, it, it was an official kind of motion that was made in one of our general meetings, but it grew out of that. And now we've begun to actually put some legs on it so that um, our executive minister, Trina Duncan, has established a new staff position that she will be hiring for. She's actually in the process of hiring for this justice position to where this portfolio will live. Absolutely, and uh, and you know what, it, it actually uh, bring, brings in line some of our uh, scripture where uh, uh, Allah says in the, in the Holy Quran uh, that uh, we've created you from different nations and different tribes so that you may get to know one another. And so if we were all the same, it wouldn't be that interesting. And uh, because we are very different in different ways, in different uh, kind of ethnic, cultural, even cuisine and uh, language and all, all these backgrounds serve as a, as, as a way to be like, oh, how do you guys do this? And how do you do right. that? And, totally. and, and this conversation in and of itself, like, uh, right. is, is a great way for maybe communities that may not necessarily get together on, on a regular basis to be able to, to hear one another, to, to respect one another. And, and again, uh, uh, our respective faiths have coexisted for centuries uh, right. uh, throughout the world. And, and now we're here in the new world, which is relatively young. We're, we're in a kind of city and province that in the grand scheme of history, at least for people that are not First Nations, that, that, that we are uh, uh, somehow here together in, 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 in a new world, in a new land. And, and, and let's talk about our, our hosts, our First Nations people right. that, that were here before us. And and our relationship on, on unceded territory. And uh, I will say, um, uh, just to share with you my reading habits, I, I used to love an author by the name of Louis Lamore, which uh, oh, yes. talked about uh, uh, the Great West, the Old West, and, and the way he reverently portrayed the, the, the First Nations people and, and natives from the United States. And, and I, I really like that simplicity of lifestyle and, and how they, they lived off the land and they only used what they, they needed. And so I always grew up with a great appreciation for their culture, their way of life, the great spirit, They're very similar to, to kind of our kind of thoughts in, 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 in our faith, uh, and obviously there are several differences, but uh, in terms of the United Church and the work with our First Nations brothers and sisters, please talk about that uh, throughout the province, throughout Canada, that work uh, your, your community is doing. Wow. In 1986, the moderator of the United Church of Canada, my role at the national level, the spiritual leader of the church at the time, um, at a general council meeting, issued an apology to First Nations elders for um, our involvement in, in, in the treatment of, of um, I'm choked. You have to. I'm just let wanting you to know that I'm I'm choked by this, because this is this reconciling work is we were never reconciled. It's a process, right? But in 1986, an apology was issued, and I remember uh, the response. We never the apology was never accepted. The apology was heard, and then I think the words were, "Well, let's see what you're going to do about it." 
and so the the whole and then and then the resi the, the effects of the residential school began to emerge out of that apology and and our own denomination's involvement in residential schools is pretty horrific and and so we issued that apology as well we we our church in the in the lawsuits that were were the the class action suits against the government of canada we were held vicariously responsible for some of those atrocities and and so our denomination lives with the the um that sinfulness and i'll use that word i rarely use that word but that's corporate sin right and so we live with that and then we begin to do the reconciling work and so we've we work with indigenous communities we work with um and just be on the ground and be present and be there uh, personally when i i served in another congregation in north vancouver and i began my own journey of leading a reconciling congregation uh, when I encountered the Kairos blanket exercise at an event at um, Vancouver School of Theology, two beautiful Indigenous women led us through the blanket, the, this blanket exercise where blankets are laid on the floor representing Turtle Island or North America and gradually through how the land has been stripped away and traded. And, and, and to have that real visceral experience, I mean, it makes me quiet. I just want to not talk about it and just simply be in, in, a, in relationship and, and say, wow, we just have lots of work to do because it it is, we're on unceded territory. Economically, what does that even mean? How do, we, how do we even make it, how do we make a treaty? And does it mean money? What does it mean? Like those are living questions for us. And, we, and we're circling the questions because we're just trying to be, we're trying to find respect again. Absolutely, and and I, I think what happens is uh, um, when when we come to new societies and new countries, um, we tend to think other people should believe what we believe, or uh, their culture and their way of life should be like our way of life. And and so I think part of uh, just personally my journey, uh, although born in Canada, raised in Canada, uh, and respect that identity of being Canadian. And British Columbian and being right. from Vancouver, but then there's that thousands of years of history of the Indian subcontinent of India and Pakistan, Bangladesh being one subcontinent, and and to go on my own cultural and spiritual journey of my cultural identity and, and the language, the cuisine, and to be honest, my language abilities of our Punjabi and Urdu are, are let's just say not quite, uh, you know, <laughs> not that not 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 that good, and then Arabic, which is the spiritual language and the spiritual kind right. of uh, basis of, of identity to, to learn that and to, to understand it to the little bit of a degree that I have. And uh, and so to appreciate that, that it doesn't mean it's one or the other. I, I am Canadian. I, I love my country. I love my province, my city, but also I am uh, from the subcontinent and that's my culture. That's my identity. That's my language. It's, it's our, our, and then my faith. And so I think in a similar way, just like with European heritage, there's a rich history from uh, the United Kingdom, from Scotland, right, from Ireland, right. from France, Germany, and 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 that is the heritage and the identity, or whether it's Africa, and then now coming back to our First Nations peoples, their language, their identity, their culture, their mm -hmm. way of life, and it may be completely different to maybe how 
our respective cultures have, have done things, the governance, the, 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 uh, the, the, the kind of systems. And sometimes I think maybe well-meaning on, on, on maybe uh, in the sense that, well, our ways are better. And I think that that is where, I think this is where the rub is, is that who's to say whose way of life is any better than the other's way of life. And, and I think uh, from at least the journey that I've been on, is uh, is I, to appreciate people for who they are, what they believe, and their their cultures, their languages, their traditions, and uh, and how we can be different and still respect and get along with one another. I spoke about I absolutely, I, absolutely. I spoke about what is the trail of your faith. What what do you leave in your wake? And and colonial settlers as far as, and it's still true, it's still a living legacy, left a trail of anguish and heartbreak and cultural, um, almost genocide, right? And if I don't own that, then I cannot be part of the solution. Because as much as I wanna claim what my ancestors, the good of what my ancestors brought, I have to claim that dark side if it's going to be reconciled. So what we've left behind as European settlers, and I claim that, my, my one side of my family came from Britain, uh, from, from um, Scotland, Ireland, Northern, and another part of my family came from Norway, um, through the United States, came up and got land on the, on the prairie in the, early 1900s on land that wasn't theirs the government just gave it away right it was free just right and so there and we just assumed that was the okay and and that's still true the legacy that legacy is still present although on the prairie some treaties got signed so but they weren't fair <laughs> from our perspective if we were signing those treaties if we were the victims of those treaties we would not be happy Right. If we own that, then we can move towards we then we can say, so what does reconciliation look like? What does restoration and treaty look like? If I'm going to use a, an indigenous term, what does treaty look like? I'm going to use that term. I, I don't use it. I, I let them use it because it's their word, not mine. And I don't want to appropriate that. But 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 what does it look like? And. And we're, as I say, we're just circling each other right now to find respect again. And to, and to, there, please go ahead, please go ahead. And to name, and to name that that's true, I think is important. Just, we're just trying to find that respect level again. Because we have to own that we're white. I have to own that I'm part of the white colonial settler. And that oppression is a wake that's, that's left behind. That's the trail I leave behind and and i think again just going back to how uh, you know the, the the european heritage informs a certain understanding of ownership of land mm -hmm. whereas uh, there's this uh, uh movie depicting the last days of uh, sitting bull and mm -hmm. it's called i left my heart at wounded knee right. and uh, and they were talking about the treaties again very very you know, very uh, unfavorable treaties and about land, and this is how much land, and, uh, and then 
and certain promises made, promises broken, and certain things that that were done that were again uh, egregious to to the First Nations people. And uh, Sitting Bull, the chief, um, they were talking uh, as as the nation about land ownership, and they were talking about how in in the native language of their tribe, uh, there's no word for land ownership. There's no, no word for, so so we understand things according to our culture, our language, and, and, and then we think, well, they should understand land ownership, whereas in the culture, there's not even a word for ownership of land, because that is, it's like for us to have that sense, we own this land, whereas we are maybe just, just kind of, by God's grace, or Allah's grace, benefiting from the land, but to own it is a big statement. I own this land, and and I mm -hmm. think that from the First Nations perspective, they they lived off the land, but they didn't own the land per se, other than this this identity of other cultures saying, well, there should be a land ownership, and that causes divisions mm -hmm. right right from the get go. Right from the get go, and it was always about land. It's always about land. It, this conversation is about land, right? And, and it always and the, way of, and the way of life is is seasonal. Like live, Correct. live, absolutely, live according to the season. Go to different grazing grounds at different times of the year. So to stay in one fixed location, like obviously in other countries, you you stay in your village, your your town, your city, and you kind of have yourself your government from there but uh, but the way of life the native way of life the first nations way of life is is live off the land according to the season and and to be in one fixed correct. place was anathema to, to their identity Co correct you know that our traditions islam and christianity are grounded in agrarian cultures we were yes. nomadic gatherers yes. that's what we did you know, yes. the story of Abraham moving to a land that I will show you yes. is, is, is that's what that's about. Yes. And so we have in our own DNA the capacity to say thank you for the use of this land that is not ours. We've yes. just, it's been enculturated out. Yes. Right? And yeah. same with, with Moses, the, like actually the Quran itself, majority of the stories are about or, or the most referenced prophet i should say is, is moses yes uh, peace be upon him and and part of the lessons of he had to leave right he had to leave his land exactly his, and go to a new place and and so it, it is it is uh, again we we should be able to understand it but but i think again when people look different when the skin color is different the language is different the, the clothing is different the way of life is different and we're like well and I think uh, certain stronger societies, maybe economically or maybe in weaponry or what have you, want to impose the will and culture that might makes right, where it doesn't make right. It, it does create a, a very serious injustice. Agreed. Agreed. So I get why people reject, reject religion altogether. I get why they say it's not served the world at all. I understand that perspective. I, I can get how you can get there really easily um you know and and that's why these kinds of conversations are super important just absolutely say, we the tower of babel story in the in the hebrew scriptures is all about we got to know each other too closely we spoke each other's languages and 
we built this tower to heaven and God knocked it down and said, I'm going to divide you up because you're too close. Don't, because we mistake our, we often come to believe that we get close to God, that we're on, like, God is saying, you're not God, I'm God, and I'll be your God, but you'll be my people, people, <laughs> people, not God, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's and, what, and, and, yeah. And, and our human nature is, uh, there is a, a, a sense that if we, like, again, going back to my, my great-grandfather and grandfather came from India before Pakistan existed in 1904 to uh, Washington State and then up here to British Columbia. And again, economic reasons was the motivator. And I'm sure right. forefathers from, from Europe coming to the West was, hey, we can make a new life. We can have our own land. We can have our own level of right. success. And there was a, an economic incentive that we can make something of ourselves in the new world. Uh, but then yeah. I think what nobody really understood, this at, this was at the expense of our First Nations brothers and sisters. So that Absolutely. economic incentive had a, a drastic cost. Absolutely. We, absolutely we we did not listen we we did not actually we weren't curious at all we knew it from the place where right no flowers can grow in the spring i just quoted a poem right um the um we were not we were completely and utterly disrespectful yeah. for the sake of and monetary gain absolutely for the sake of mon monetary gain and uh and even I, I'll just share with you from Punjab, the region of, of India and Pakistan mm -hmm. that we're from, culturally land ownership is a, it's a very significant thing. Owning land is, is a, right. a cultural identity, as ever, many faiths have, like having land, owning something has some level of I have something, whereas it's complete opposite to the First Nations where Absolutely. the land is is the great spirits or, or it's and not we're ours. here to... It's not ours. And, and I think this is where, again, uh, for millennia, people have fought over land. And when we see world maps of, of, of how people expand and contract is based on, on land and conquest. Yep. 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 It's been all about that from the start. So I think from the healing that we are neighbors, uh, we do come from different belief systems and different cultures. And, uh, but I will say that, uh, really great to speak with you because again um one thing is uh, the conscience of of, of uh, not recognizing the significance uh of, of a destruction of a society and then i think what i love about canada is we're, we're trying to make amends we're trying to do the right thing it, it may be a hundred years too late but still or 150 years too late but still there's an effort it, it's not like trying to sweep it under the rug there's a consistent effort at even 2021 where all of our faith-based communities and all the secular communities are trying trying to to make it right in whatever way and it may not be a perfect solution but there's at least through this conversation from the united church and yourself like the, there's efforts being made yeah. for reconciliation and efforts being made to try and right a wrong which you know, it's 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 at least the intention, and part of our faith is intention. Is if you make the intention to do good, you get the reward as if you've done it. So it starts okay. with the intention, and then we have to follow it through. So maybe uh, 
Reb Blair, in, in closing and respect of your time to, to share this hour with us on, a, on our program, maybe a final message or, or uh, 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 sentiment that we could share with, with uh, the listeners that, uh, you know, how we can all kind of work together and coexist as, as face as we have done for, for centuries. Wow. Uh, Jesus says to his followers, to his followers, and I, I just pull this and say, I think Jesus says this to the world. I think Jesus says that of life. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And abundance is not about stuff. It's about the fullness of becoming fully who you've been created to be in the image and likeness of the one who created you and to steward it in the way, in the, in the image and likeness of the one who created you. We've been called to be stewards of the creation of relationships with each other. And we're called to steward it in the way that we've been created. We're called to steward in the way that God would steward it. And so that's, that's purely invitational because I don't have a corner on the market of what that looks like. I know that when I have this conversation with you, I get a bigger window. Oh, it could look like this. And if I can remain curious and be open to the promise of abundant life for not just me, but for the entire planet, including all of creation, that we live abundantly, not, not selfishly, abundantly, and we give away so that others can live. That's what, uh, that would be my greatest hope. Fantastic, and and I'll I'll share with you uh, one part of our our faith which which echoes that, and this is in Arabic, and I'll translate. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi r-Rahman r-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Ar-Rahman r-Rahim. Maliki yawmiddin. Iya kanabudu wa iya kanastain. So it starts with, uh, in the name of Allah, the, the gracious and the merciful. Uh, and protect us from Satan, the accursed. So that is our protection, asking for protection from Satan. And then all praise to the Lord of all that exists. Ar-Rahman, the compassion. Ar-Rahim, the merciful. Madik Yomiddin, master of the day of judgment. Iyak and you alone we worship. Iyak and you alone we seek help. Ihdina Sirat Mustaqim, God is to the straight path. I'm going to have to go back because the, linguistically, when I, Arabic is not my first language. And so, and then he goes, but not those of those have earned your anger or went astray. So it is kind of our beneficence as faith, uh, people of faith, that, that we acknowledge that uh, God and Allah and our creation, as our creator, uh, you know, uh, obviously wants the best for us. And this is a world of test. This is a world 
uh, where we have to do our part to make things right. And so I really appreciate you taking your time to share with us and you know, discuss our respective faiths and our respective commitment to our communities. And it is something that uh, I'm looking forward to working with you in the future on many works to benefit our greater society, including our First Nations people. Bless you, Tarek. It's been a joy to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you again. Okay. Bye for now. Bye now.